0: You're listening to Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. At the end of your life, no one is going to be thinking, if only I just got one more promotion. No one's going to be thinking, if I just negative geared one more property, then this would all make sense. But interestingly, we live our lives disconnected from that truth a lot of the time.
1: Now, here's your hosts...
0: Tim and Des. Well, it is
1: momentum, and wherever you are, all around Australia, we uh, really appreciate you spending some time with myself and Des, and our special guest this week is Jonathan Doyle once again. Hey, you know, when you're young, it seemed like only a matter of time before our dreams and goals would come to pass. However, sometimes life can take us down twists and turns that we never expected or imagined. And one day we wake up far away from the things that once gave us so much passion and so much energy.
2: That's absolutely so true. And I look at, yeah, I'm an old bloke and I look back at my life and that's exactly, it. Never, I never ended up going where I thought I was going to go. Anyway, last week we spoke to Jonathan Doyle. who's an international speaker, an author, a businessman, executive coach, a bike rider. He does everything, this guy. Um, But we talked about the importance of our habits and our daily routines. Jonathan joins us again today to talk about why it's important that we keep our hopes and dreams alive. Welcome back, Jonathan.
0: So good to be back with you guys and, um, you know, hello to everybody listening. You never know when uh, when you're going to get some good stuff from you know, the guys at Momentum. So really, really stoked to be back.
1: I'm kind of passionate about this, Jonathan, because, um, you know, I think for for some of us who are down the track a little bit, it takes us a bit of time to figure out our dreams, our passions, you know, what, what we're actually doing in life, why we're here. Uh, I think so many people just settle in life, you know, we've kind of touched on that a little a bit in, in the last episode, but... Um, you know, first up, do you think that um you know, many of us actually take the time to stop and figure out what it is that's in our hearts, what, what are our dreams? And then if we have a faith, do they align with what we think God wants for us? I mean that's a big opening question, but speak into that space for us.
0: Oh, it's nice to start with the easy ones, <laughs> um, we we touched on this in the previous episode. You know, the the culture that we are inhabiting is in, you know, deeply inimical or opposed to the kinds of reflection and groundedness that allows us to think really deeply about some of these things. So there's that part, mm. the distraction, the busyness that make it difficult to stop. And I think we mentioned Aristotle's famous quote that the unexamined life is not worth living. The other part is that the kind of factory model of education that we are born into. I think it inculcates this idea that there are certain ways of being in terms of your life project that are desirable, which are basically like, you know, achieve, 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 succeed, succeed succeed against like, you know, look at, look at how the school system operates, right? We, we put you in a room full of people based on nothing other than chronological age, Mm. not interests, background, capacity, ability, just age. We make you compete against each other. Then we rank you so we can feed you into the next stage of the factory model and push you out the other side. Now, the pushback is, well, we have to have some sort of system. I get that, but my point is that, it, we can grow up with this idea that there's only certain ways that we can find real purpose and meaning. And it's usually got a dollar figure attached to it. Right. It's kind mm-hmm. of like it's in the air. It's like, it's like the matrix. You you got to step back and begin to see how we've come into being at this moment in history, which is we will find fulfillment if we do this really important socially validated career that makes this much money rather than why am I here? What are my unique gifts and talents what would life be like if I didn't make vast amounts of money, but I had extraordinary rich relationships and did stuff that was really beautiful and useful and helpful, and I had a really enjoyable life? Like, I don't think those kind of questions get asked because the system doesn't want us to ask those questions. But so, and then of course you like you know as you mentioned the spiritual aspect too. Like, um, I wrestled with that for years. I think I struggled with it almost to the point of paralysis. I always felt that if there was a God, God had this like card. And on that card was written exactly what I should do with my life. And God was kind of there. I know we're on radio. It's hard for maybe people seeing the video version, but I always felt God was like, they going, no, you can't see it. No, I'm going to hide it. You can't see it. Going, show me, show me, show me. No, you can't. So I spent time as a mon- in, in a monastery. I thought I was going to be a, a, a you know, a Catholic monk. Um, until the abbot told me that that wasn't going to happen in a billion years (laughs) (laughs) because it was actually a silent monastery, so you can see. Yeah, Yeah, that wouldn't work. (laughs) So, look, um, all of those parts, the confusion and busyness of modern life, the way that we're raised and socialised, I think some of us get to a certain point and go, what am I here for? But I do think also that the threads – the, the blueprint is there often from an early age, but we just have to find ways to follow it.
2: Yeah, I think that's so true in terms of society because it, it does measure very differently than the way we should measure our life. I mean, you're right. We look at the dollar, the importance of your job. You know, you build your identity around your job, maybe with your family, you know, how successful am I? What sort of home do I have to have a swimming pool, et cetera, et cetera. Rather than, am I a good dad? Am I a good husband? You know, am I bringing joy to the world? Am I leading my kids down the right path?
0: 200%. There's your spot on. Like, I I was at an event recently. I ran into a guy that I, a really good guy that I've known for many years. And um, he's now leading a, a very significant international business. And, you know, he, he's brilliant in his field, the guys probably put on 25, 30 kilos. Mm. Um, his kids are raised by nannies and it's not criticism. It's an observation. Um, his health was shot and I was kind of struck. I was kind of like, you know, he's driving a new, a new, great new car, which is great. But I'm going, can you have both? And the the point is you can, you actually can have both Mm. of those things, but Mm. there's obviously an imbalance there. Um, so the French have a beautiful saying that the graveyard is full of indispensable people. Yes. Right? It's it's this idea that it's that we're going to sort of achieve at this extreme level and the world will need us. And I think, you know, we're recording this around the time of the funeral of Queen Elizabeth, and there's some very deep symbolism in that funeral because the very last thing they do when they take it to St. George's Chapel is they remove the scepter yeah. and the crown which are the, 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 the symbology of earthly power. Mm. And then they eventually remove even the drape, the flag over the, the coffin, yeah. but you don't see that part. So, what they're getting to is eventually all of this pageantry ends up with the individual person, and all of those things are slowly removed. And we're all sort of in the same space together. So I think they're just good things to think about. I, I don't want to, I think the danger sometimes is we say that it's one or the other, that you either have to, you know, that you've either got to be general secretary of the United Nations or you've got to be living in a hippie commune, right? It's not, it's not that. <laughs> Actually, <It's>, uh,
2: <laughs> Richard Fay, who we introduced to the show ages ago, um, said that he was in IT so I was in IT as well, but what he said was he got his priorities right. So at five o'clock he would stand up and he'd go home and all his colleagues would sit there and keep on working at eight o'clock or nine o'clock at night. And he decided that his priority was his family. Yeah. And so he was just as successful, but he left yeah. at five o'clock. To be with his family and have dinner with his family.
0: There's, here's a way to think about that is you know, I mentioned previously, I, I did an event for about 500 parents a couple of weeks ago. And one of the points I made was at the end of your life, you know, for most of that, will that'll be in a palliative care facility, a hospital or a nursing home for most of us. So when you're lying there in those last couple of hours, no one is going to be thinking, if only I just got one more promotion. No one's going yes. to be thinking, if I just negative geared one more property, then this would all make sense.
2: <laughs>
0: what, you, you're, you are only going to be thinking about, I would say two things in that room. One is your eternal destiny. Yeah. And two is you will be thinking about the people in the room. That's yes. it. Or not in the room. Yeah, or not in the room. Yeah. Exactly. that's a great point. And the, the point is that we're going to get to the end of our lives and we're going to get to that point and we're going to go, yeah, but it's going to come down to those two things. But interesting, we live our lives disconnected from that truth a lot of the time, mm-hmm. not all of the time, but a lot of the time. So, so I said to, I said to these parents, like, if you got to that point and your kids adored you and you had really sown into that, that generation and contributed and given of yourself and you'd still done meaningful work and interesting work, and maybe you made a fortune. But what what, what is the most important stuff at the end? Mm-hmm.
1: Jonathan, can I go back to something that you said, and it all it is all interlinked, but you said that one of your biggest wrestles with it was this idea of figuring what you wanted to do and then thinking that God had this plan for your life. So let's just speak into the faith space for a moment because I think, to be honest, we all wrestle with that. It's like, where do my plans... And what God has lined for me collide and, and what's the tipping point where they might overlap and hey maybe that's the right path in inverted commas so um where did you conclude for you obviously the Lord has desires in our heart the Bible talks about that he's given us gifts that we outwork and things that come naturally to us that would indicate that these are things that we can use for the benefit of not just our lives and our families but for the kingdom at large how then did you find the balance of, these are what this is what I bring to the table, but inviting God into that situation and going, I think this is where he wants me to be as well?
0: So I'm glad this is a six-hour episode because I'll, I'll just start now. I mean, we, should, we should be done. So for all those long-distance truck drivers listening today on your way to Perth, um, strap yourself in my brothers. Cause I got an answer
1: in 30 seconds.
0: <laughs> First issue is we live in a, such a highly structuralist society that we want inputs and outputs, right? We want to go, yeah. come on, God, I'm a good guy. I want to help you out. I know you're busy running the universe. I'm just going to take care of this part. So what I need you to do is I just need you to tell me exactly what I need to do. And then I know you're going to bless it because that's what you want me to do. And they just tell me, right? So for years, I kind of really wanted an email from God. I just wanted a message. Jonathan, it's God. On Tuesday at 4 p.m. You're going to meet this person. I want you to say this, and that's going to open this door. And then this is your, it's all going to just follow this path. Never happened. Obviously. I think for me, my journey was racked in a deep anxiety, um, it was wrapped in a very fractured relationship with my own father. So I think I, 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 struggled with most of Freud, but I think Freud had, was onto something there the kind of transference stuff. Like I didn't have a father who kind of walked and journeyed with me, um, who had deep conversations with me. So I, I, Karen, my wife would always say that I sort of lacked a compass. I really struggled to find a compass Mm. and people look at my life and they see, you know, my life's pretty full on. I do a lot of stuff and people think don't think that about me, but I really struggled with it. I still do. Um, so. There's a mystery behind it all. You know, how many of us can say in life that we are completely convinced we know exactly what we're doing, There is a beautiful, very important quote from John Henry Newman, which I really recommend. And parts of it, he says things like, you know, he goes, I I may not know my task in this life, but I will be told it in the next, yes. <laughs> which is, I, I always <laughs> found that powerful. And, you know, but he also said that, you know, if I'm sick, if I'm sick, my sickness may serve God. If I'm perplexed, my perplexity may serve God. He says he does, God does nothing in vain. He knows what he is about. So where I've got to is kind of, uh, I look at the raw data of my life and say, well, what's the truth about my life? The truth is I'm married. The truth is I have three young kids. So that's obviously got something to do with it. So there's that part that requires a great deal of, you know, that is God's plan for my life. Why? Because it, it is my life. It, it is the reality. You know, God's plan can't be that I'm in a monastery. It can't be. It's this. It's, it's what I'm living. Um, and then the other things I'd say is where have I been happiest? Where have I felt most alive? And we could all ask ourselves that question. So when I'm speaking on stage, when I'm doing this sort of stuff, I feel happy. I feel kind of centered. I feel honored and privileged and appreciative. So if you're doing stuff that you absolutely hate, and I get that sometimes we have to do things to provide, but Mm. you're allowed to be happy. So look for some of those fingerprints while simultaneously holding the mystery of it all at the same time. And and just trust that God's on your side, right?
2: Like he's, he's not trying to make you miserable. Yeah, that's good. And and also, I mean, the other thing is, um, like in your case, Jonathan, you've got gifts and talents that help you on the journey that you're on, right? And God's not schizophrenic. He doesn't give you talents and gifts and says, oh, I want you to go in a different direction. He actually yeah. will give you those to align you with where you need to be. One of the, one of the beautiful
0: parts of humanity itself is look at the diversity of giftings, right? Yeah. Just look at the different things that people get into. Like, you know, there's some hobbies and interests and careers that people get into. And I go, why? Just why? <laughs> <laughs> why would you do that?
2: I say that about bike riding. <laughs>
0: oh, yeah? Get off the road. What are you doing on the road? Yeah.
1: <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> can I just say before we go into a break, when you're listening back to the podcast, go back about three minutes and just re listen to what Jonathan said. Because I think when you talked about what makes us happy, where do we feel alive? Da da they're simple things that often we can overlook. Mm -hmm. For this bigger cosmic picture, like you said, that God was going to send a a massive download through an email or send someone to go, I get this word for you and you need to be doing this and da-da-da-da-da. Like it's just simple things that you applied there that we can look for in our lives and go, what makes us happy? Where do I feel alive? Am I using the things that come naturally to me or am I sitting in a space that I just really don't like right now? And I think there's just some basic things there, Jonathan, that you said, and you did, and you did the, the six hour answer very well, by the way. <laughs> but um, just rewind a few moments, honestly, and go and have a listen back to that and just align that in your life and go, is that where I'm sitting right now?
0: for anyone that's got kids, look at how you parent, like none of you parent, like none of you go about the business of fatherhood trying to trick your kids. Like your kid doesn't go, your kid doesn't, if your kid loves, you know, Aussie rules football, you don't, you don't sort of stop them playing it and say, Hey, I want you to play hockey, play hockey, but I don't like hockey, play hockey. It's like (laughs) we we are naturally good as fathers. Most of us at recognizing the giftings Hmm. that our kids have and encouraging them Hmm. all fatherhood you know, comes down from that source of fatherhood. And I think when we find joy as fathers in what we notice in our kids, I think there's something in that that, you know, and that's been the healing in my life, given my own father relationship. Like my son and I are super close. And I've been able to resource and support his incredible interests. And um so maybe God's on our side, right? In a similar way.
1: So let's park it there and come back and talk on the second part of the show because there will be dads listening right now and fathers and we on this zoom call right now we've all been in this space where it feels like you're just in the middle of the grind and life is just on repeat right it's like i go to work i provide for my family and there's this season where i'm just seeing my family through and my hopes and dreams whatever they were 15 years ago, whatever, are just put on the shelf. I've forgotten what they might be. Let's come back and speak into that space for the guys listening, Jonathan. Jonathan Doll is our special guest right here on Momentum as we take a short break pointing you towards the website momentumaustralia.org. We're going to be back in Jonathan in just a tick, stay tuned.
0: You're listening to Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. Find out more at momentumaustralia.org.
1: Well, thanks for tuning back in. It is momentum all around Australia. I Really appreciate you tuning back in. We're talking keeping your dreams alive this episode, and our special guest with myself and Des is Jonathan Doyle. You know, Jonathan. Before the break, we did talk about that that moment, and for guys listening, I mean, obviously, there is a plethora of guys listening right now. But anyone who's in their sort of thirties, forties, early fifties can can either be in that space or remember that space where life just became about. I married. Um, I've got kids i do my job i'm paying off the mortgage you know um there's the saturday morning sport the sunday morning church and then we repeat monday and it just feels like life is this kind of continuous wheel of this is just my life right now and anything that kind of i want to do or my dreams and my hopes that i had when i was younger that's a distant memory or it's on the shelf right now or i'm not even sure what that is anymore Can you speak into guys listening right now who might be in that space where their life just does feel like it's on repeat? And hey, it's not bad, but my dreams and my hopes of what I had that I thought my life was going to be is just a distant memory.
0: We have one challenge now. My brain is exploding. I want to make sure I download all of what I want to talk about on this. (laughs) First point, i got a few things to say. First one, James Dobson, the founder of Focus on the Family, gave this great talk many, many years ago, which he talked – it was called The Straight Life. And he gave this talk about exactly what you've said. Men get into their 30s, 40s, 50s, whatever, and they're living the straight life. They're getting up, they're mowing the lawn, they're going to work, they're going to church, and they hit this point of dissatisfaction and they begin to wonder – is, you know, the grass greener somewhere else, right? So what's, and I'm judging no one, I don't know anybody's story, but what some men do is they blow up their life, right? So they have, they have an affair or they leave their family because they can't live the straight life. And then they move in with the new partner and it's all roses for six months, and then they wake up one day and suddenly find that they're mowing the lawn and going to work. Yes. And, just, just, and it's like, oh my gosh, I'm back living the straight life. So you don't solve that problem by believing that, um, now I'm not talking about if there's real structural problems in a marriage that need help, I get that. So hmm. the first point is the correct answer to this particular problem isn't to blow up our lives and think that there's a better pasture somewhere else, right? And I don't think that's the answer. The second thing is to think about, what I would say is the fundamental motif of, of the Christian proposition, which is the cross. So when you look at the cross, what you see is, wherever you are on your faith journey, you, you see somebody who is holding in the entirety of cosmic power, capable of rescuing themselves and removing themselves from the circumstance instantaneously but chooses not to and pours out all that strength, all that potentiality into the service of something bigger than itself. Mm -hmm. So my thesis on masculinity for decades has basically been that what men have to figure out is what to do with their strength. Now that strength will have a sexual component, a physical component, a spiritual intellectual component. So if that's, that that strength will always be placed at the service of something it can be placed at the service of self it can be placed at the service of others so when you find yourself stuck in that place which i've felt occasionally is like i have found a lot of solace in that i've just kind of gone i'm going to serve i'm just going to serve i'm just going to keep serving and i'm just going to suck it up and keep doing it and i think there there is a genuine not me but in general for men listening there's a genuine heroic power and beauty in that simplicity. And mm-hmm. I want to draw everyone's attention to look at the great films that men tend to love. I just went and saw the new Top Gun four times Right? Why is it so successful? Because yeah, it's brilliantly done. It's got great screenwriters, all that stuff. But you see a level of sacrifice, of dedication, of like somebody who's a you know, really capable, but they're giving their strength and trying to serve and sacrifice for others. And it ties into this deep thing. All the great films, Lord of the Rings, Saving Private Ryan, Pickett, whatever you want, Braveheart, all of those great archetypal films tie into that. So years ago I had a 10-day speaking tour in North Queensland. I think Karen was pregnant with our second. I remember coming home completely exhausted. And I remember thinking to myself one night, I got back about 10 PM. She was asleep. Kitchen was wrecked. She was too tired to clean up. And I remember cleaning the whole kitchen at, you know, close to midnight. And it always stuck with me because I kind of went, this is it. This is the real stuff. This is, this is what matters. It's doing this when there's no audience. So do not discount the beauty and heroism of quiet, relentless masculine service is there is a strength in it. There's a beauty in it. Um, the next thing would be take some responsibility for rekindling your own interests. Right? So I have a vast number of interests, training, cycling, running, um, very fine craft beer and expensive whiskey uh, <laughs> less. So as I get older, but, I got a lot of interest, right? So I take some responsibility. Um, I make time to see people. I keep my life alive. Karen and I put a fairly, you know, really consistent effort into our marriage and just having time together. So you're not a victim. You don't have to be a complete victim. You can go, hang on, why am I so bored? Maybe I need to do something. Maybe I need to have something to look forward to. Maybe I need to go surfing again. Maybe I need to whatever. So those three parts, um, don't believe that life's better somewhere else because it isn't. And, um, tie yourself to the mast, like, you know, Odysseus in the Odyssey, right? Like just, just say to yourself, I'm going to build into the future here because you are doing something really special as men, you know, you really are. Mm. And then yeah. take some responsibility yeah. for keeping your life alive. Just, just do it. Like, you know, it is better that you go and take, get a Foxtel subscription than blow up your relationships. Like do something you enjoy. Like, so There's three things. I'll remember more at midnight and I'll ring you and we'll do it again.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Mind you, if guys listen to those three and put those into action, lives would change, not only in their world, but in the world around them.
1: Jonathan, you talk a lot about comfort, right? And as guys, we get into that space where we just described it. It was kind of like the, the, the easy life, the comfortable life, whatever. In one of your podcasts, you talked about things we're meant to fight for. All right and um there's the great book and i forget the guy who wrote it but he talks about the different stages that men go through and one of them is the the warrior stage All right and and you know there's that that saying you know choose your battles what are you fighting for um and it often gets to a point where we often fight with our family instead of for our family so i suppose for for guys who are lacking that fight in them if you like they've kind of just rolled over they become comfortable they've accepted certain things where do we refine that inner ah, you know, that inner warrior, that inner thing, that thing that we can put into a healthy way instead of it being destructive and blowing up our families and whatever. But do you understand what I'm
0: what I'm asking? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'd say things like if we're really struggling in our marriage and parenting, relationships and parenting, you know, nobody wakes up in the morning and says, you know, how can I have a terrible marriage? You know, no one wakes up going, how can I get my kids to hate me? So what what happens, right? Like what yeah. what actually happens? There's a bunch of factors. There's the busyness and stress of modern life. Just the, like, <laughs> I found in the last few months, my kids are starting to go, dad, dad, dad. Cause I'm just literally not hearing a thing. I'm just sitting there going, <laughs> I'm just so wiped out. I'm like, what? Uh, who's doing what? I'm starting to get like one of those old, you know, guys in the Muppets that sat up in the balcony. Um, <laughs> so yeah, you get tired and, but no one starts out that way, right? For every man listening, there was a day probably when you got married, like no one walks off, walks out of the church or whatever the thinking to themselves, this isn't going to work out. And you know, every man that's held their child for the first time doesn't think, well, this is nice now, but I guess in a few years, we'll be going at each other nonstop. Like we don't think that mm-hmm. way. We think we're going to do it. So what happens? The busyness and craziness of life and then our wounds, right? Mm-hmm. So most of the time, See, I old saying hurt people hurt people right so we're carrying rejection trauma we didn't have close relationships with our own fathers we didn't know get taught I and mean, no one who teaches you how to father right it's mm-hmm. not really like it you get taught how to do it so what do you do um i would say the first thing is to get conscious is to actually go is to stop the reactive cycle is to go what what am i doing here what am i doing why am i doing this cause you're not entirely a victim. I think in the craziness of it all, you can just yell at your kids or just keep following the same pattern. Mm. Look at the results. If you're not getting the results you want, something has to change. Yes. Whenever you've got a difficult circumstance, there's always three options, always three, leave it, accept it or change it. I don't, ex- I don't recommend leaving it unless it's violent, dangerous or abusive. Um, some things have to be accepted. Sometimes your kids can go through a long phase where they're really hard work and you just have to, do that season. You just gotta accept it. Don't put up with too much extreme stuff, but just go through the season. But a lot of things we can change. So I'd say to men, get conscious. Look at what's not working. If you've got a broken relationship with one of your kids or your marriage or friends, what is going? What is causing this? What am I reacting to? Why, what times a day do I do this? Am I tired? Am I drinking too much? Am I doing this? Am I doing that? And then say, what do I want? And to really remind men that this is much bigger than you, mm-hmm. I come from a long line of, you know, Irish drunks, right? With a lot of trauma and dysfunction spreading back generations, and I'm now a father to three kids. And you know, is it perfect? No. I'm. Do I want a reality TV show to film in my house <laughs> for a month? No. <laughs> But my kids adore me and I absolutely love them to bits and I lavish time upon them. And I've been married 22 years and it's awesome. So best I can tell, it ends in this generation. Now, I'll hurt my kids. I'll, I'm sure that they'll carry some things, but I talk to them honestly. I ask their forgiveness. I So you can change it. So the last thing I'd say to men is, if it's not how you want, you know, years ago, a psychologist said to me that Families come down in a line. They come down in generational lines. They just keep repeating. So the drinking repeats, the dysfunction repeats, the violence repeats. Everyone gets traumatized and then revisits it. And he said, but once in a while in a particular generation, and I'd say this with no arrogance, he said, uh, uh, what he calls a hero emerges, a hero figure who just decides that the family line needs to go in a new direction. Yeah. Hmm. And that one person takes it in a new direction. And so I just say, for me, I just want it to be better. And if any man is struggling in habits and problems and feeling stuck, remember that you're fighting on a generational level, right? Mm. So it's worth fighting for your grandkids and your great grandkids so that one day there's a dusty photograph and people say, oh, that's Grandpa Bill, you know, he was the one that really changed things. So that's worth fighting
2: for. Mm, That's brilliant.
1: That's awesome. Jonathan, in the few minutes we've got left... Let's start where we began and that was talking about this idea of dreams and it might be guys listening right now who might be in the midlife bit where we just talked about or they're young and they don't even know where to start with that. They're not sure what direction to point their life in or what their heart is, what's dream or what's fantasy, what's just a great idea of what I'd like my life to look like but it's just not realistic. Um, Some final thoughts for guys about how to set their compass, I suppose after listening to this show?
0: That one's pretty straightforward. It's a really simple question for people. It's just this, where can I be useful? Start there. Because if you answer that question well, that question is going to require you to actualize your abilities and capacities, right? Mm -hmm. So there is a reason that the three of us are sitting on this call. And what are the reasons? Well, each of the three of us have particular skill sets and interests that we're using because we believe that on the other side of this technology is one, two, three, four hundred, whatever, 500,000, who knows? And we want to be useful. That's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to be useful. So I'm not an accountant. I'm not an astrophysicist, right? I can't be useful as an astrophysicist. I can be useful as a husband, father, as a communicator, as a businessman, as a coach, whatever. So I would say to any young man, just go, what are you good at? how can you take what you're good at or that you love or that you're passionate about and how can you be useful? And if you do that, you're probably not going to go too far wrong. That's good. right? It's a better question than how can I be rich? Because if you want to be rich, you can just sell drugs. Like it's the ultimate business model. I always tell my kids, I say, because my kids are really entrepreneurial. <laughs> they say, dad, what's the best business to get into? I say, well, technically the best business is, <laughs> and they're going, I'm going, no, don't do that. Don't tell your kids that. Um, but, but the point is that Being you know, the richest person in the graveyard is not the goal of life. The goal of life, I think, I've been saying for many years, the goal of life, as best I can tell, is contribution. I Mm -hmm. think if you had to boil life down to one thing that would give you the win, it's that. Because Mm -hmm. that stuff transcends you, it lives on past your life, and it's probably the best way to guarantee that whatever's coming next is going to work out all right because Mm – if you contribute and contribute and keep going, how can I contribute? Then it's going to work out. So, hmm. and that's going to show up for every man listening in different ways. My, my, my daughter's just been asked to play OzTag. tag. She doesn't know how to play Oz tag. So I got to take her down the park and show her how to play Oz tag, right? Because that's what I signed up to do. That's the contribution. Hmm. So just how can I be useful? Where can I contribute and just keep going there for
1: We've had Jonathan Doyle on the show the last few weeks and uh, as it always is when we have Jonathan on the show, it's always about a topic but so much more. And Jonathan, I uh, I just want to thank you for being yeah. on the show and encourage the listeners too to go back over the last couple of weeks, have a re-listen to the podcast and maybe take a notepad and a pen in hand because there's so much you can scribble down that you can apply into your life. But Jonathan Doyle, man, it's always a pleasure having your Momentum. Thanks for your time.
0: Thanks, Nez. Thanks, Tim. It's a real privilege, you know, honestly – it just it saves my kids and Karen from having to listen to me, you know, talk all the time. I get to talk to you guys more. So, you know, listen, I, I love what you're doing. It's a great privilege to, to have you know, this time with you guys, and um, just praying that every man listening gets some encouragement and one or two ideas they can put into practice. You've been listening to Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. For more information or to hear this week's show again, go to momentumaustralia.org.